This is CliffCentral.com. A warm welcome to Leadership Transformation Platform, Multiplying Authentic Leaders, Moving Society. It's wonderful to be with you. All the way here from Kruger National Park in the beautiful African bush. And I've got the old man, Louis Grunewald, sitting in Gauteng. There's some beauty to Gauteng, I'm sure. Um, Louis, good to have you with us. No, it's, it's great once again to be on the show, Adrian. I'm Adrian Grunewald, and uh, we love joining you every single week for our Leadership Masterclass uh, that runs 12 to 1 on Cliff Central. But, of course, we, uh, we distribute it all over the world in many different forms. Go to leadershipplatform.com. One word, two Ps in the middle for all things leadership. And for our Leadership Masterclass today, I think it's wonderful to end the year with this kind of conversation. And I think uh, you'll get a lot out of it. Bob Skinstad, former Springbok rugby player and captain. He uh, turned into a businessman, uh, but he remained a globetrotter. So his business is taking him everywhere. And he's one of those leaders, um, sportsmen, that seem to have made the difficult transition from from being in the limelight and being a sportsman to being a successful leader and businessman. And we want to explore that a little bit. Also, um, he's involved in something called the 80-20 mindset. Yes, it might be a fairly known principle, but it sounds like him and his partners are taking it to another level. So we'll chat about that as well towards the end of our conversation. Bob Skinstad, good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be uh, on the show, and I appreciate you guys uh, having me on the leadership platform. Bob, I'm excited to talk to you. It's always exciting to talk to someone who's taken, uh, you know, I think the world thinks it's very easy to be a, a well-known sports star and then to turn that somehow into a successful business career or leadership career. And uh, I'm very convinced from all the conversations I've had that it's not as simple as it looks. But before we go there, since playing rugby, what have you been up to? I mean, you've, you've got your finger in a couple of pies, um, some really good things. But just give us a quick overview. Um, thanks, Adrian. I I, uh, I was lucky because I sort of straddled um, the advent of professional rugby. So I sort of I, I worked almost all the way through. I was I was in in businesses, either starting and, and funding as a as a young naive rugby player, and then um, obviously because of that losing money. But uh, it was it was an, I suppose a necessary progress for me. So by the time I finished my career, which you know rugby is a wonderful wonderful um, game and it's a, an incredible network around the world but it's a very boring thing to do for a living um mm-hmm. so i i all the way through i was always involved in business and interested in business and learning about business and doing sort of internships and and i did some work um you know with with friends of mine who'd gone on and got degrees and specialized in things and learned from those guys so when i came back to south africa after the 2007 world cup I um, I spent about a year sort of looking at different things. I, I worked uh, almost as a broker, if you want, looking for businesses for for people that I knew were looking for businesses. Um, and in that time, I got a chance to have a look at what I wanted to be in. I, I put some money into a small hospitality business, which um, I sold uh, my uh, stake of last year. Um, we sort of halved off part of the business, which is an events and um, uh high-end uh, tourism business and we kept that and we, we sold off the, the we had a pub chain and a hotel and, and uh, restaurants and that kind of thing um, 
so I'd been in that for 10 years um, as, a, as a shareholder, more, more a sort of a silent shareholder, if you want. I, I did work in the business, but then I spent some time at a, um, in, in a role. I took on the role of marketing director of a, a business in the technology distribution space. So for me, it was more about dotting the I's and crossing the T's, you know. Um, I loved your comment earlier. Pe- people think it's easy coming out of professional sport. I think the one thing you have to remember from the very beginning, although it's fun, business is hard. It's a difficult thing to do, you know. And life is hard. Um, and uh, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy yourself and it doesn't mean you can't be successful, but it's difficult. And and I, I wanted to go and learn a bit more about rounding the edges of what I did. I'd seen too many people go into businesses not understanding contracts, not understanding partnerships, not understanding exits, not understanding the the downside of, of you know big ideas um, and and what they can become. So so I spent almost five years in a in a in a more corporate space while still keeping my, my shares in the other business. Um, and then over the last two and a half years I've I've sort of exited that kept my um, my stake in, in our, our business, which um, can now invest in other businesses and bought a, a stake in a business called Knife Capital, which I'm very proud of. Um, Knife is a very successful venture capital um, business. We try and talk about growth equity or growth capital or partnership capital because pure venture capital is a, is, is a, is a Silly concept in in its in itself, actually, because you know we, we try and partner with the businesses as opposed to just fund them, um, and mm-hmm. that led me that led me to to helping a, a friend of mine, a very successful individual who'd, who'd been to the UK, and he said, "Well, I'm very good at the top end stuff, the mergers and the acquisitions and all of that, but we don't do a lot in in that space where you've been um, successful. So why don't we join forces? So I run now the business development for a family office called Draper game. And I run the, the London office of knife capital. Yeah. So a real business, business, uh, growth. I, I like what you said earlier and I want to hear what the old man says before we move on. And that is the, the realization that, that business is tough. Um, I, in fact, I think playing top, uh, top sports is tough, but, your good players make it look easy, and then you know someone is really good. When they make something tough look easy, like business, like playing at a, at a top level, um, you know, continuing to win the 100 meters like uh, like we've seen with some great athletes. And, you know, these great people make it look easy, but I think deep down they realize clearly that it is difficult and that they put in the, the hard yards and the hard work. I like that comment. You also said life is hard, but all of that doesn't mean you don't have to enjoy it. And I think... You're really good if you can enjoy the hardness. Louis, you want to comment quick? Yes, Adrian. Um, you know, uh, one thing I must say about Bob is uh, I love my rugby and uh, I love rugby players because of many reasons, Bob. But I would have thought the one person that could make make the jump um, with hard work to be a successful businessman of uh, ex-rugby players is, is Bob. Because of the nature of your thinking, Bob, all the years we had kind of contact with you and the commentary mate was always kind of a different with a fresh outlook. Even your rugby reflected that. So I must admit, uh, uh, I am not surprised that you have that kind of temperament and even kind of intelligence that can make that, uh, that tremendously difficult jump. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Now, uh, what, uh, Bob, what is the, the, 
I don't I want to call it secret. You mentioned something very valuable already of, of making that leap from being a, a sporting star that travels to many continents and, and plays in the limelight and so on to being a successful business leader. What are two or three things that you have found um, worked? One being realizing it's hard or just the principle you shared with us. But what else would you share? Um, Adrian, I'll, 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 try and, I'll try and give you one little story which I think sums up some of them. You know, it's certainly not something I can say, you know, here's a magic pill or the magic ingredients. I think you've clearly got to have the, the, the confidence and the drive and, and the, the, the want to get out there and be successful. You know, I, I maybe come from a slightly older group of players where I, I could never have retired on what I earned in rugby anyway. You know, and luckily enough, I was able to know that early enough. Um, there, there, there will be some players coming through now who could retire after that, and, and, and well done to them, and, and I'm delighted for them. I think they'll probably be a bit bored, but, um, you know, it, 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 we were sort of amateur, if you want. We were, we were partly amateur, partly professional through, through my career. In fact, I was, the, I was the, an under-19 player when the, the Springboks won the, the Rugby World Cup in 1995, and, and we all know that that was a, a fully amateur setup, you know, before then. So... You, one, you've got to have that drive and, and survive and do something afterwards. And two, I think you have to be able to think a little bit about your life. You've actually got to be able to plan, see what you want to do, attach goals to, to a vision that you have. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a family or a business, or a, but, but, but you've got to look at an outcome and be able to work back the steps of how you get to that outcome. And now, luckily in sport, you can often do that. You can say, well, if I... I lift these weights, I'm going to get stronger. So you, you've got quite good positive, let's call it, um, let's call it sort of muscle memory, if you want, of a, of a pathway that works like that. So you can do that. You know, it's like knocking on the doors in a, in a, in a sales environment. If you knock on 100, 10 open, you know, one becomes a lead and, you know, 220 and two and so on and so forth. So you can get to an outcome. But the, the, the one thing that I think has been the most important for me is that you have to realize what you're good at and what you're not. Now, I, I told you I joined corporate and I literally had a scales from the eyes experience where I joined a, a business that was distributing um, high-end products in, in offices from security systems and digital video systems all the way down to the lowly copier type environment. And, you know, of course, what you do is although i was more involved in the marketing when you get when you get into a sales uh environment you try and sell and i i, did, I only realized in the last couple of years and i would say probably six seven years ago now and and louis just highlighted some of it louis would be more than happy to be in the room with me okay but he doesn't want to buy a copier from me he doesn't want to buy anything from me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He wants to either talk about rugby or leadership or life or his problems. And as soon as I realized mm -hmm. that, and, and then I went to those kind of meetings and I took the best person possible for the solution that the client needed. And it didn't matter. I, I'll be honest. I, I took accountants to owners of restaurants. I took salespeople to guys who wanted um, video conferencing. I took a hotel manager to a guy who wanted to open a hotel, you know what I mean, over the years in different types of examples. And I get into the trust area with the person. We know that we've got a something to talk about, something to care about together, and I transfer that trust immediately. And I say, now that we've connected, I've brought the best person for that job for you. 
100% um, more effective in a, in a sales environment because people trust first in the line that they want to deal with you and then you can transfer that to the people around you. Now, some people might use that negatively, but for me in business, that's the one thing that has been able to then allow me to say, listen, you know you don't want an ex-rugby player selling you anything or even looking through the numbers, etc. but I promise you, I trust this guy with all of the numbers on my stuff, so let's get him to help you. And it creates a fantastic relationship between people because you've actually brought something positive to the party. Mm, that's such a practical um, practical thing, Bob. I mean, uh, uh, one would think, gee, was, you know, everyone should, should uh, click... Uh, you know, or, or, um, uh, that's the thing about, that. that's the thing, that, that's the thing about common but, sense, especially with exportsmen. Yeah. It's not very common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But again, to what Louis said, the old man, uh, and this is true. Honestly, it is. You listen to commentary and, and, and you can just pick up from the commentary. There's, there's a common sense that, that others may not have. So, so that common sense, fortunately, has, has uh, carried through in your in your business and leadership career. This is a leadership show, Bob. So, so yes, as you say, people talk to you about leadership. Before we look at this 80-20 mindset principle, because I think that's a great end-of-year conversation and, and tell us what you do there. Mm. Just give us your three, four principles around leadership that you have learned and that you believe in. We have a big leadership deficit world over. Uh, certainly in South Africa, we've got the raw material everywhere. We, we certainly have great leadership pockets of it all over the place. Uh, but, but we are facing a, a huge leadership challenge politically, economically. Um, I can go on and on about that socially as well. What are your views on the kind of leadership we need in the world today, in South Africa, in business, in politics? Do you have views on that? I do. I do, Adrian. I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to do it in, in, in reference to some of the things that have happened to me because I, I wouldn't want to happen upon a stage where suddenly I'm telling everybody else what to do. But but I can tell you two things that, that I've learned from my rugby career um, that I think would apply to any form of leadership, and in particular South Africa. And um, that is that that as a as a as a sportsman, as a as a Springbok rugby player and a Springbok captain, I have been both an absolutely awful leader and I've been a good leader. And and I know the difference. And I didn't know the difference at the time, but I did know the difference afterwards. I could look back and say, those were the things I did incorrectly. And, you know, I, I, I do think I, I, was, I was picked in a leadership position as a very, very young guy, very naive, um, obviously very confident and very keen to do well. But, you know, leadership's not a, it's not a manual that you can pick up off a table. You know, some of it comes with experience. Some of it comes with bumps and bruises. I mean, you know, everybody knows that that's the case. But what happened was, I mean, I went through a, a career change. I, I fought with a coach. I, I basically fell out of love with rugby. And I went overseas. I actually retired from professional rugby. I played amateur rugby for the Barbarians. I'm one of the most capped modern-day Barbarians. I played with everyone from Christian Cullen to, to, to Brian O'Driscoll and everyone in between, but literally working out of an ad agency in Richmond in the UK, training on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night with my local club team, and I was still playing with these test match players of the highest quality only because I was available all the time because everybody else was playing test matches and, and I could play for the Barbarians. So I played 
a series of, of games for the Barbarians, tours to Portugal, Georgia, South America, Italy, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and had the greatest time of my life. And it, it reawakened the love of the game for me, but it also taught me, I think, how much more you can contribute as an individual if you believe in the team first. And and I genuinely believe that, that John Smith and, and Jake White made a space for me in the team in 2007 because I was contributing more off the field than, uh, you know, purely on the field. And, and that all came, I think, because as an older player, you realized how much we'd been given by the game, how much the team needed contributing individuals, how much effect you could actually have without physically being the flipping poster boy or the most important or the first in line or the one being interviewed or whatever, how much you could do just with a pat on the back, a word in the ear, a an extra couple of minutes of training with a youngster or some work off the field with the team or the admin staff or whatever it is. And, and that stuff, that is the glue. That's the leadership that I think I've taken away from rugby. And it took me 11 years to learn that. And I only learned it or even applied it for one year of my career. I think I did some of it mm. naturally, but I genuinely believe that South African leadership now we are at that crisis we're at the crisis now where our leaders in sports and sports administration are they giving back to the game because they want to create a legacy and make a difference or is it because there's a role in it for them now which is something that's self-serving and 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 if we're at that crossroads now we're we're going one of two ways and and i think business finds itself in exactly the same place there's some really quality leaders um, in our business environment who might be now at the point, can can we motivate them to give back enough in and around the leadership platforms that you're talking about to, to write the economy, to write all the areas where we need leaders in education, in you know health and sanitation, all those kinds of parts of, of um, what I was talking about now. They become the glue of a society. You know, it's not the big people in the ivory towers making huge big deals and, and self-enrichment. It's the it's the person who's sitting at the post office branch that's actually making it efficient for the people in his tiny little municipality um, to send and receive. Um, it, it, it's, 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 the, it's the little people, and the little people, I think, are the biggest difference. Bob, what I like what you say there, and there's many points, and I'm very sure if we go back and, and, and analyze our conversation, we'll pick up on a few uh, powerful pointers there, but I like what you said about falling back in love with rugby. For example, uh, you know, there's so there are so many challenges today for business leaders. They rub shoulders with politicians and with the, the daily challenges, and then they they actually fall out of love with their leadership position. And but, but they keep going. You know, they often keep going. But but that that principle of falling back in love with it, finding a way to reconnect so that you can see the simplicity of of the honour almost, of leading, as opposed to just doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, so there's something there that, that, that spoke to me. Louis, just comment on, on, on Bob's views around leadership. I'm drawn, Arden, to the evolution that Bob's gone through. This is the way maturity grows. You know, you grow out of yourself, your own ego, into the bigger me, and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's enjoyable to uh, share that with people like Bob. Bob, uh, Lead us to the 80-20 principle um, or the 80-20 uh, mindset that, that, that you've gotten involved with. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And, and I say again, it's the end of the year now that this show 
is on. And, and, and I think in preparation for next year, my instinct tells me it could be a very valuable few minutes for people out there, although um, it'll just be a taste. Sure, Adrian, and thanks, man. I, look, I'll, I'll tell you, so, so as a young player, um, I don't know if you remember when, when it, it seems so long ago now, but we, the Stormers um, moved from Super 10 to Super 12, and we started regional rugby in South Africa. And I was the captain of the Stormers, and we ran a, a Men in Black campaign, and we, we sort of re-engineered what, what the rugby was in the Western Cape. Um, and and I was I was a member of the, that uh, that sort of Western Province team, and we'd they'd done quite badly, and actually been demoted in the out of the Curry Cup, I mean out of Super Rugby into we had to win the, the night series basically to to make it back, and um, and then I was promoted to to skipper of of, of the, the the team in in the new in the new series, and and I was travelling with the South Africa under twenty one team. And I picked up a book. I've always been a reader, and I love my reading. I picked up a book called The 80-20 Principle by an author called Richard Koch. And Richard had basically expanded on the Pareto Principle, which is called The Law of the Vital Few. So so a, a, a few small causes are it, – it, it's always – the biggest changes are always attributable to a few small causes – so, tiny little thing. Perito was a was an economist, and for for a paper that he put in, he was studying at Lausanne University, and for a paper that he put in, he realized that the economy, the Italian economy, almost exactly eighty percent of it was owned and controlled by twenty percent of the people. So he wrote a paper. He said, "I, I wonder if there are any other pla- places I can see this." And he thought, "Let me randomize it." He he, he also grew peas. Um, in pea pods in his garden, and he did a study on the peas on 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 the 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 pods that came up in in that year's um, uh, harvest, and and studied every single pod of peas, and 20% of the pods were the bigger, stronger, longer, more dominant um, uh, pea pods, and they produced almost exactly 80% of the peas that the garden produced. And it became a it became a lifelong study for him. He then realized and wrote a paper on it. Now Richard Koch saw this in his own life, and Richard is a has been an early investor in Betfair, which is you know a, a billion pound plus uh, business. Um, he was an early investor in Filofax, uh, the turnaround of Filofax. He started his own um, uh, consulting group after leaving Boston Consulting Group. So a very very clever, smart man in the world of business, but he realized that this 80-20 principle was was something that, that you could apply to your whole life. You know, 20% of the people that you meet are going to have 80% of the effect on the rest of your life. 20% of your time, actually, what you do with 20% of your time affects 80% of your life. 20% of of your customers in, in, in almost any business usually generate about 80% of the profits. The sad thing is that the correlation is also true that 20% of your customers usually generate 80% of your, your, your toils and troubles. So mm. sometimes you can turn the 80-20 around and actually f- just fire 20% of your customers and you free up half your time. Mm. So I read this book and for me it was like a scales from the eyes experience. And we had a very young rugby team at the time. We had fantastic players like Jochi Fillion, Louis Kuhn, Brayton Paulson, Percy Montgomery, Robbie Flick, guys who went on and played for the Springboks later on. But I realized, I went to our coach and I said, you know what? The problem is 
we're giving the wrong people the ball for for the time. We need to get the good players the ball more often. And and we built a framework around the principle. So what happened was Ram van Straten was also playing inside center for us. So instead of me being the number eight, because I was a ball player carrying the ball up, we gave it to Brom to carry it up, who's a hundred kilos faster than me and had a at a at a a bigger pace, he could crash it up. And then I would come and get the ball when traditionally the, 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 the number 12 would get the ball. And then I would distribute, and the first person who would get it would either be Percy Montgomery on the one side or Brayton Paulson on the other side. Mm-hmm. And we realized that when we got the players who were most effective with the ball, getting the ball in their hands the most often, we won quite easily. So we implemented the, the, the entire system. I, I then literally in parallel bought into a, a, a restaurant. And the, re, the old restaurant that we bought had a 30-page menu. And I realized, doing the stats on it at the time, I realized that we had a tomato tart on the menu. Now, tomato tart, the ingredients, I mean, it's a quite a difficult thing to make, but the ingredients took up about a square meter of our kitchen. We only had about a 60-square-meter kitchen. So, yeah. so one item on the menu that we probably sold two of the entire year was taking up a huge portion of the storage in our kitchen. It was, again, scales from the eyes. The light bulb went off. So we said, wow, let's just, let's just look at all of our till slips over the last five months and see how many meals people actually buy. And what do you think the answer is? 20% of the, the items on our menu were eaten 80% of the time. So we cut out 29 pages of the menu and we had a one-page menu of burgers and pizzas and pasta opportunities with specials. We literally cut down our cost of the restaurant by 50%. The cost of running the kitchen decreased by 50%. So for me, as a young sort of rugby player, being able to translate that into business, I've always then applied that. I've used it in venture capital. I've used it in understanding customers. I've used it in understanding markets. All the kind of things that have applied to my business, I've always used the 80-20 principle. So being the silly man I am, I reached out to Richard Koch and I told him that story. I sent a random email to his publisher and they put us in contact and I told him the story. And he said, well, why don't we do something together? Hmm. So the 80-20 mindset is, is literally, it's an e-course. Adrian, I'm not, I'm not a, a multi-award winning author like yourself who's, who's got the ability to put pros into action so I thought I'd love to be published I'd love to get out there so I've gone for an e-course option and I've done a, a body of work on the areas of my life that I changed by using the 80-20 principle and I've called the e-course the 80-20 mindset and I've put it up online and and it's been it's been live for a couple of weeks and I just love the journey now because people are going down it young entrepreneurs are saying I wish I knew about this before I've been chasing every customer and now I've worked out that flipping oh, half of these guys were just giving me the runaround. So I've now narrowed my focus and I've actually I've, I've fired some customers and I've created more time in the day and I've refined my product and I'm selling more. You know, and, and I, I just see it applying to so many parts of young leaders, young individuals and, and a lot of millennials as well. A lot of young people now are saying, you know, what should I do for a living? I'm saying, well, have you have you applied the 80-20 principle to what your options are? Because 20% of the things that you could do are going to generate 80% of the returns. You could spend a lot of time wasting if you, if you follow up on everything. So narrow your focus, understand what you want to do, understand your expertise, make sure your, 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 um, 
the, the way you do your research is is targeted to getting the best outcome for you and be selfish with your time. Make sure that, you know, the people you spend your time with are actually contributing to yours and their lives. You know, it's a journey we're going on forever. Don't give away all of your your time to everybody else and not be able to move forward. So as you can hear, I'm quite passionate about it, but I've, um, I've, I've written the course and, and it's out there. And for me, it's about, it's about going on the journey. I, I do quite a lot of speaking to corporates about it. That's in a nutshell, that's, has been the story with me in the 8020 mindset. So Bob, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, sometimes in this world of ours, we discover beautiful universal success principles, but then we, 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 we kind of publish them, we send them into the world, and then the world gets sick of them and it wants something new. Well, that's not the right thing to do. I mean, I'm rediscovering the principles in the book I wrote, Seamless Leadership, for example, um, and, and I'm, I'm going to bring it out again with more energy and more vigor. I'm falling in love with it again. And that 80-20 principle, we, we, we all know, has been around for, it's been around the block, but someone like fresh like you come along and you give it um, fresh life, but same principle. And you've got me thinking about it. I, I guess one must stop being a lazy thinker. So yeah, towards the end of the year, if I'm a student next year, doing my final year or first year or my little business or I'm an executive or CEO, let me go revisit this 80-20 principle. Maybe um, tap into your program, your, your, your e-course, and maybe get the book. Just do something to say, hold on, we live in a world, sorry, I'm rambling on, but we live in a world where we're spending so much energy on so much and there is so much to do and so much available and and we end up working day and night and neglecting the 20% things that are making an 80% different in our li- difference in our lives. So I can see it applying exactly. everywhere. I can see it applying everywhere. And, and as I talk, it comes to life, actually, to be honest. I mean, the, the, the thing, Adrian, for me is that, is that I know it's an, an age-old principle. And I know it's one of those things, you know, people, it's like good manners. It, you know, just because you're sick of hearing about good manners doesn't mean you should stop doing it. Mm. And, mm. and what, yes. I've, what I've done now, 10 years later, is I've said, you know what, I've actually started living it so much myself that I don't even remind people that that's what I'm doing. But if I meet a young entrepreneur, I say, listen, you give me your top 15 or your top 20% of your customers now so I can understand how your business works. And give me the, give me the 20% of guys who give you the most hassle. And then literally... Two days later, I can go back to them and I can say, well, these are the basic problems here. Of course, these people are, tr- you know, here's the, here's the common theme. I know you know that that's the common theme, but you haven't articulated it and been able to deal with it. So for me, if I could transfer it from sport to business to and different types of business, it's exactly the same. I, I, I bet there's a million people out there who go, okay, yes, I've heard of it, 80-20. Okay, that should be right. But like we spoke earlier with Louis about common sense, you know, it's not applicable unless you get – you get a way to integrate it into what you do. Okay, Bob, so, so we're going to wrap up and, and you can just share with people where they can go to, to participate in this. But uh, Louis, just give us your, your comments. I mean, we, we all know this principle, but uh, it just um, you can't take away the honor of a good principle. You can't take away the, 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 yeah, the, the, the power behind it. Uh, Bob, we, uh, we are passionate about the idea that uh, leadership is very personal. Ultimately, it's part of all the great theories. Now, what you're saying also just uh, zeroes in on the principle that um, this applies very much to us understanding yourself better. Instead of focusing on the 100 attributes, you know, 100 pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses, you must learn to focus on the real you, the, the kind of inner uh, part of you that really gets things done, not we call 
personal drivers. And I think this, this RGM just confirms that principle very powerfully, I think. We waste so much time. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I think I think you've nailed it there because it's a very personal thing, and and you know, it, it just like the, the the golden ratio or the golden mean that we see in, in 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 nature, which is pi as we know in mathematics. I mean, this is a this is a principle that that should apply from every single bit of your life, especially to the personal development side. You know, you work on the bits, you work on the bits that make the biggest difference, and you'll you'll make the biggest difference for yourself and for those around you. You know, Bob, I would sit with a leader this month, spend a one-on-one hour, hour and a half coaching session with this individual who is part of an executive team of, uh, you know, running 30,000, 40,000 employees, and, and you'd have a breakthrough in that conversation, let's say an 80-20 principle. And then in between sitting with them now and sitting with them a month later, so much happened <laughs> um, that that that... that Wonderful progress made just sort of erodes in, in some way. The life we live, the ability to reflect. I like what you've said today. There are times when you reflected on your sporting career. You reflected on your leadership when you were uh, the, the, the mistakes, the good and the bad leadership. The reason you, you could speak about it today is because you actually reflected on it. You're not a lazy thinker. And, and that time to reflect on my 20%. And, and you know, that's what the world is robbing us of, is the ability and the time to reflect. We've got to make that time. Yeah, that's a tremendous point. I mean, I see with this proliferation of new media and and the, the number of, of messages we're getting a day from email to, to all of our social medias and, 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 and types of things, I think we, we are allowing ourselves to go and be a bit lazy in our thinking. And, and this for me is, you look, it's a course, it's online, it's not what I do for a living, it's something I'm doing completely uh, in parallel. And, and in a way, it's almost forced me to reflect. So I'm, I'm very privileged to have, to have done that and gone through that. And, and I look forward to being able to implement it in, in my businesses as well. But you're right, it's a, it's a reminder to relook at those things all the time. And that's kind of my what I've been doing this live experiment the last uh, almost a year living here next to Kruger is, is it's forced me to reflect. I, I'm not saying everyone must do that, but everyone must um, challenge their current lifestyle, challenge everything about what they're doing. Because um, if you don't, the world will not offer you reflection time on a platter. Platter. So I think let's let's maybe end off, Louis, final comments, then I'll let Bob end off with a message to leaders out there. In, anything you feel you want to say to them, Bob, um, you, you are, um, I think you're a, a, you've always stood out as a, as, a, as a different kind of player and you probably had opposition because of that too. Um, you weren't just a, a usual forward, you know, uh, and, and your whole life seems to be not just the usual and I respect that, and, and therefore your advice will be valuable. Louis, just end off with a, a final um, sort of wrap-up. Uh, Bob, enjoyed very much being with you. I uh, also enjoyed very much your kind of passion to get back to your families, sick children or not. Ultimately, your know, family is what matters most. You're a star, that's right. I can't, I, can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see them. Bob, just end of final message to leaders. Um, you know, obviously, a, a lot of South African leaders will listen to this, but we spread the word on social media, so it will be international. But well, what's on your heart? Well, I think you know. I want to say thank you to you guys for the chance to um, to chat today. I mean, it's it's always for me interesting to to interact with with people who you know who care about leadership. 
um, and, and, and want to use it to create. You know, I've always been a starter of things. Um, I don't pretend that that's always perfect because, I, you know, sometimes those are the people who take, um, you know, I suppose the, 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 the tallest trees get the, high, the, the most wind. And um, I, that's something I can't stop myself from doing. So I'm going to try and, try and not stop myself from doing it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that, that there are people who listen to your show who sit there and are sometimes reticent to do something. They're reticent to start because maybe they're worried about how what the view's like from from up on the tall tower, or maybe they're worried about about ever you know stumbling or or, or, or tripping or, or being seen to be bad. And you know what? I think that is the biggest block in your way. We've only got one life. We've got one wild and beautiful life. Go out there and live it. If that means you've got to start something and look for look like a fool for a little while while you learn how to do it. We'll support you. I'll support you. Get behind other people who are doing it. It's the best way to get into something. Nothing great will ever begin unless someone begins it. And I think I think that is a message that's got to go back to 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 Southern Africans at the moment, but also in that entrepreneurial world. You know, there's a lot of people with a dream that they will never follow, but they'll look out on the on the stock exchange at some billionaire who did follow his dream and and he's gone and changed the world. So. I think we've got too many starters who aren't starting at the moment. And uh, if, if anything, with you guys on a platform like this, I'd, I'd love to help those people out there, get a voice out there, make a noise, make a difference, be part of, of the change that you guys are already advocating for. Bob, where, where do people, what do they do to get to this 80-20 mindset um, e-program or, or course? Uh, um, Adrian, thanks very much. That's it, it's called the eighty twenty mindset, um, and it's at eighty twenty mindset dot com. There's a there's a lovely intro there, and you're welcome to 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 mail us and and have a chat. It's an experiment from me. You'll you'll hear back from me. We've got some blogs going out. And you can follow me at Bob Skinstead on Twitter, and also eighty twenty mindset has got its own uh, Twitter handle as well. And we'll 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 be sending some some stuff out there over the next couple of months, and and available online for for contact. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for that end, end of uh, message. You know, just go out there and do things. There's one life. Um, it's very sad how people sit back and often watch Idols or uh, The Voice or watch the Springboks play, or we spend so much time watching other people uh, achieve their dreams that we don't um, in a, channel that energy into our own dreams, uh, and that's the world we live in. So um, everyone go out there and follow Bob's advice. Thank you so much for joining us while you're on the airport. And uh, have a good flight, and, and we look forward to connecting with you on a bigger vision, Bob. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Adrian, and, and your team. And thanks very much, Louis. Lovely to, to chat to you guys. I look forward to catching up in the future. Thank you. That's the voice of Bob Skinstad, um, former Springbok captain and businessman leader, 80-20 mindset. Just go and Google that and, uh, and, and, and certainly tap into that universal principle. So, Louis, Bob Skinstad is off catching a flight um, back home, as he said. Well, quite a nice comment he made. Looks forward to getting home with his wife and and ill kids. Uh, I'm sure it won't be too exciting. But um, yeah, just uh, as you've been taking notes, let's reflect on a few things that, that he brought up. Uh, and then then we can talk about one or two other things just to just to wrap up the the very interesting conversation with him i mean he is a charismatic guy uh, as a as a player he played at one stage quite charismatically 
he was a, a captain. Uh, he's he's very open about his mistakes and weaknesses, and can see where he led badly and where he led well. Uh, and then um, I think quite a few things stand out. What 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 stands out for you? I was thinking, <coughs> Audien, that in our case. Uh, you know, we are enriched with oh, hundreds of conversations with top performers. Some best people are best in the world in their own right. And therefore, certain patterns emerge. Speaking to Bob, and uh, it was really an enjoyable discussion. He's, such a, he's a nice guy. Um, a couple of patterns emerge that I think it's worth our while just uh, taking note of. The one is how, how um, good leaders uh, deal with change. Now, we know discussed it often on the show uh, that this is a, a age of age of change dynamics mm. and the ability to handle that is so cr- crucial to a, a authentic leader now bob skinstead had to change and grow as a leader he just couldn't stay or keep on being the the charming very popular player he was before and uh, and these experiences indicate that Bob was willing to change, and he did change a lot. You know, um, he shows um, a, a pattern of humility in terms… Okay, is that part of the change? The change, yes. Okay. So in order to, to adapt to life, uh, especially if you make a dramatic change from being a player, uh, a well-known rugby player, to be a businessman, now that's a cruel world to enter from that point of view, and many, many of our very famous players, um, of sport players, have failed in that process. Bob shows some attributes of authentic leaders, and I think he's being successful, and I'm sure he will be as well. Um, for instance, he mentioned that as a player captain, um, he did some good things and he did some poor things as well. He recognizes that the one uh, aspect I I appreciate is when he says that he feels that when we won the World Cup in 2007, um, he made a greater contribution off the field than he did as a player um, uh, on the field. Uh, the way that he supported the support staff, the way that he encouraged the people, the way that mm. he motivated people. And before and that wasn't a consideration. So it shows his ability to change. Um, and I think that's important. Uh, also, I think it's important to take note of a pattern of how these people handle challenges in life. You know, we've okay, before we go there, just yeah. on the change thing yeah. still. I mean, people th- assume because uh, someone has a big name, because they were a sports star, that they can just be successful at anything they do. But what does the motivational source law say? Uh, I mean, you, you, in the end, it is about what I believe and think um, about me and feel, yes. and feel about me yeah. at the deepest level. So I can be a super sports star, but if I honestly believe deep down that all I'm good at is playing rugby, for me to transition from that deep-seated belief to suddenly believing overnight I'm a great businessman, I can now take the Sharks uh, franchise like John Smith tried and just start running it successfully – just because I was a good leader on and off the field, that is a very tall order. People around you think you can because you're charismatic and confident and all those things. But but you have to believe it deep down. And I'm sure that's the crisis of confidence some of these leaders face is they they know what's going on in their minds, what's going on in their hearts. They know what 
beliefs they have about their capability. The world around them see them differently. The world around them have more confidence in them. Imagine being a Francho Pinar, iconic captain of the World Cup winning squad in uh, 95, right? Um, yeah, where, where can you just have a normal business conversation? Where can you have a normal, okay, what are your needs conversation? You can't. And that's what Bob said. But he adapted very fast. The, the way he realized my strength is making that connection. And then I've got the best guy next to me to sell the technical. So that was a, a brilliant piece of um, a, a gemful advice that I hope younger players get from him. So I just wanted to comment that on the change thing. I, I, I have sat with the Victor Matfields of life and some really good sports people, and they struggle if they don't consciously reflect on these things, if they don't consciously sit and think, who am I, what am I, what makes me good, what can I transition into the next next world, next life, then they, they just they, they hardly ever succeed. Adrian, I think you quoted um, a very basic principle that we, we uh, feel strongly about at the leadership platform, the law of motivational source, where we say what matters most is what I feel, think, and believe about me. Now, that's interesting. If you look at Bob, uh, in fact, all the leaders we interview, uh, the real question we ask ourselves is what do they really believe uh, and think about themselves? In other words, what they say and the charm they have is not necessarily the same thing. And Bob, like all of us, like every single leader listening out there, you have to realize that you have to work very hard on establishing a self-belief in yourself and the principles and the values you believe in. Um, because that is the launching pad for all your actions in life. In fact, mm. from that point of view, all we have is me from that point of view. Everything I do, no matter what great ideas, great spiritual value or truths I get, it's got to go through me as the filter. So this is the great secret of life. You mentioned, Arden, about his, uh, the way he adapted um, when he entered the, the, the business field. And one can just see how he's also experimented quite a bit, Bob. Mm. So he's trying to find himself. And then you mentioned an important clue. He learned to, and this is, uh, I just want to mention this principle, Bob has learned to use his charm, his abilities. He's very social, well-liked, and even respected. But I think what he indicates to us is he learned where to draw the line. So you'll establish an initial relationship, you know, by being the, the quite a famous rugby player, although that kind of thing also quickly diminishes over the years. Wears off a bit, yeah. Well, but then he says then he uses that initial trust to introduce the person in his business dealings because he, he deals with a lot of partnership, partnering arrangements, to the person that really knows what he's, he or she is speaking about in that specific field. You mentioned that point. I like that. So in that sense, it's a sense of humility. Uh, I think also what Bob does reflect, I think Bob shows the ability to really develop his own talents as well. In other words, the fact that you realize with a shock that your old talents are not going to make it as well doesn't mean, on the contrary, that you must let go of your, 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 your old talents mm. because that has been, those drivers have been with you for ages. They're valuable. It's only when you start misunderstanding how you should apply them that the real problem comes. I mean, uh, the, the ability to go and perform in tremendous uh, face of many uh, problems and opposition in life, certain great achievements, 
these are deep, deep yeah. rooted uh, spiritual characteristics. Now, these are the most valuable attributes one has. And uh, Bob, I think, shows the ability. Um, he also showed ability, Arden, that I liked a lot. His affinity uh, to with people that have a, a like-minded to him. Um, the way he, 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 he adopted immediately uh, the fact that kind of work we do and the people we meet and this, the uh, the vision we have of authentic leadership as well. Um, Bob showed an affinity. And haven't you found that this has been a pattern with the great leaders we find? They have an immediate affinity with people that are like-minded in terms of uh, of being able to, to let go of the old me and develop this new kind of confident me mm. to make a difference out there. And it's great to see that, and we find that's a pattern as well. Are there patterns that you that you noticed? Um, well, I think uh, uh, the fact that you must realize your limitations, I think is a very important pattern. Uh, thinking over the, the years, audience, we have found many a great leader has shown the ability to recognize the limitations as well. So on the one hand, when you're ego-bound, uh, you just refuse to recognize mm. your limitations. You tend to blame or to label other people or to not not be accountable as such. But uh, Bob shows the great attribute of uh, recognizing his limitations and have an idea uh, the more you speak to him, the more he's honest about them and probably prepared to admit them as well. Mm. Um, the other principle was uh, recognizing that life is challenging or the, uh, you know, dealing with challenges in life. Yeah. Now, obviously, we couldn't discuss all Bob's challenges, but between the various changes he made and the steps he took, we know that it's a case of uh, walking the coals of life. Um, and we haven't met a quality leader yet, I think, that has not walked the coals of life. Remember when I was a youngster in Isapingo down this, on the south coast of Tell. The Hindus had the regular um, kind of ritual of walking the coals. And as kids, we thought that is one incredible thing. But the point is, from a symbolic point of view, people's uh, ability to walk the coals of life, that's, so we measure them automatically, don't we, Arjun, in terms of the mindset towards uh, resistance, obstacles, etc. And this is a key attribute, a key pattern in the lives of successful leaders. Or else life will get you down all the time if you don't have a mindset that it can be overcome, and I will overcome it. Yeah, a lot of interesting things we get from him. The 80-20 principle is powerful. Yes. He seemed to also touch on recognizing the level or the contribution of people at ground level. You know, the the everyone around you, the, the, the team. In fact, he spoke of a team element. Uh, firstly, as a leader, recognizing team um, the power of the team, the contribution of the team, that yeah, it's about no, the team. Not just a big a guy at the top. Not oh, just yes. a guy at the top. Sure, the 80-20 principle, you've been on this planet a little bit longer than some of us. Yeah. Uh, do you buy just that principle or is there something deeper than that? I mean, he, he sold it very effectively. We've got a minute to wrap up. Oh, yeah, two, what so what, what I love about the 80-20, it's not the 80-20 that matters, it's the principle. The ability to zero in on that which matters most. And that may be, uh, in many cases, 80 or 20%, but that's not the point. The point is the idea of, uh, of auditing one's life. So you spend the right uh, amount of time and resources on that which matters most. That is a lovely attribute. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. What does the 80-20 do? It just focuses you. It just gets you to, to actually 
use a model or a philosophy that forces you to do that. I guess there are other models too, but the way he sells it, I mean, if you go and look at your restaurant, you will find the 20%. If you go and look at your business, you'll find, gee whiz, um, 20% of this creates 80% of that, or That's 80% right. of this is, is, is wasting the time, or whatever the, the whole... I remember, we had the same experience in, in uh, reviewing our strategy. We found, wait a bit, that the most important things are, happens in about 15% or 20% of the activities. I don't believe the percentage matters. The principle is that often, and, and, and probably in most cases, um, you should focus on that which matters most. But we have to get to that point where we, we honestly live these sort of principles and models in today's society. Because what you have is you've got leaders are just inundated by life, by, by busy schedules. Mm, and, you're, you're and, 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 and surely if you oh. can grasp this principle, and already on, on Twitter I've, I've had feedback of people that are going, on, going through this specific program, if you do that, um, but even not to just maybe you don't have to work as hard as, as you've been working, as many hours as you've been working. I mean, all those things are super important right. in our society. It's not only the, the amount of work, it's the quality of You have time then focus innovation your lifestyle chains is example of the 8020 principle as well yeah interesting uh, you know living next to kruger now and spending more time reflecting certainly when i'm there i do work when i'm here i work harder i, I could st probably start attesting to that that principle and the business has never looked better this year was f fascinating year and some innovative things can flow so anything else from from this conversation no, um, it just made me focus more in my own life, even this advanced <laughs> age, um, to really make sure that I am applying the eighty twenty principle in that sense. I do it, but I think it's a case of focus. Hmm. Thank you so much. So that was a wonderful conversation with Bob Skinstad, who's flying off to London from Cape Town, I think, and uh, and our reflection was was good too. Just to just to think about it again. Uh, thank you for that, old man, and we look forward to being with you again next week. The Leadership Masterclass every Monday, 12 to 1. Stay tuned. This is CliffCentral.com.